I don't know about you, but um, we all love stuff. I mean, Thanksgiving is coming up in just a few days. Christmas is coming up. If you are any way like me, your social media and your email are being bombarded with biggest sale of the year. Uh, online Black Friday. Every other day, there seems to be the greatest sale for this company. And the next week, there's an even better sale. And just before you know it, you start looking through and one by one, you start saying, I need that. I need this. I mean, two-day shipping is going to get there on time for my friends. But wait, I actually want it myself. So let me get it for myself and a one for my friend. I mean, seriously, the temptation is real. Every single day, you are bombarded message that you need to buy this, you need to buy that. And, and let's be completely honest. I was having this struggle for a whole month. I go to Sam's Club every week to pick up groceries for our family. But you know what happened is they are strategically placing these things. I'm sure the devil is in this with, with Sam's Club. That they strategically put in things like TVs right when you walk in. And every week what happens is I walk in, I see that TV and I say... It looks a little too big for a house, but then I look, turn a little bit to the left, and then there is a TV that is a little smaller. And then I look at the price, like, oh, I don't think we really need a TV. That was the first week. Then next week, I come by again. I look at that TV again. I said, I think our kids can use the TV so that on, on our living room, uh, the piano room area, so they can play Switch there while we enjoy the TV in our living room. So we don't have to fight. And I look at the price tag again. I said, wow, that price tag looks a little lower this week. Then I start, and the rest of the trip while I'm shopping, I'm having this conversation in my head. I'm sure it never happens to any of you, but here it is in my head. I'm just thinking, oh, do we really need it? No, we need it. No, you, you, know, you ever seen that, that uh, in a movie or in a TV show, there is this bad angel and a good angel, right? The devil and the angel. I have that same conversation in my head. Oh, do we need that TV? 55 inches is a little too big for us, up for the kids to play Switch. Maybe we just get them a 43. And then I will walk out of that store thinking, no, I'm not going to get it. We don't need it. Guess what happened the next week? I go back to the exact, exact same thing. And then there is the exact TV there. And the price get even lower. Because Thanksgiving is coming up. And then I walk in and I say, I have the exact same conversation in my head again. No, we don't need it. Yes, we need it. No, we don't need it. We, we need it. No, it will be good. Like one day when the home group start getting back together, come to our house, it will be nice to have a TV there to show the video. Even though we all know that we don't know anytime, anytime soon we're gathering back together. And I have that conversation over and over again. And I'm sure you may have the same thing over and over again. I think by nature we just want to gather, hoard, buy stuff. But it's really interesting. In the scripture from both Genesis to Revelation, God talks so much about money and stuff. In fact, he talks so much about it. Over 2,000 times he makes references, both from the Old Testament and New Testament, about money, resources, and possessions of our lives. Just in New Testament alone, in Jesus' parable, out of 39 parables, 11 of those, 11 out of 39 parables have to do with money. In the book of Luke, in the Gospel of Luke, one out of seven verses and the gospel of Luke has to do with money and possessions. It is so important to Jesus that, to talk about money. that He talked more about money and possessions than heaven and hell. Over 15% of Jesus' recorded word was about the topic of money. About the topic of possessions. 
we ought to stop for a second and think, okay, if Jesus talks so much about money, there got to be a reason why. And I believe the reason was simply is that Jesus said, where your, treasure, where your heart is, that's where, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is as well. Jesus knows that somehow money, tangible possessions, had a, had a grip on our hearts. In fact, what we will see is that how we use our money actually is a thermometer, a real temperature of our spiritual life. How we use our money and possession tells us greatly of who we are in Christ, but it also show, express where we are in our faith with Jesus Christ. So today on our fifth journey, we're going to go uh, talk about the journey that we must travel to be a disciple of Christ is to move from being charitable but to being extravagant. Not extravagant spender, but extravagant giver. The journey we're going to talk about is that how, as, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we are called to move from merely being charitable to being extravagant in our giving. If you ask most Americans, most Americans would think that they are pretty generous. But there is a big difference between being generous than just merely giving. Most of us think that we're generous because we give. And there's a study that's shown that most Americans on average give about 2.6% every year. Annually, 2.6% of what they earn to charity. Okay, that's pretty good. People are giving. But when you think about it, actually, that's not a high percentage. In fact, the study continues to show the more money you make, actually, the less you give. That study particularly showed that if you make $100,000 a year, which is a pretty, pretty hefty sum of money, the percentage from 3.8 actually dropped down to 3.6. You, the, the more money you make actually makes you less generous. See, simply giving does not make you a generous person. There's the difference between charitable and what the scripture says to be radically generous, which is extravagant. You see, being charitable means that you're going to give. Yes, you are giving, but you're giving out of excess that you have. You're looking at your wall and say, well, I have extra stuff to give. Now I use all that I have, I need, I'm going to give whatever extra out. That's being charitable. But extravagant does not give that way. Extravagant is not looking at how much I have and then calculating, oh, I have extra, now I give. Being extravagant means you're going to give above and beyond what perhaps you can give. See, being charitable is looking at your wallet and see, okay, I need to use this amount, and now I have a few dollars left, let me give it away. That's charitable. Charitable means it's going to depend on you. But being extravagant, it has to do with others. Greater yet, it has to do with God. See, being charitable, you ask the question, what can I afford to give away? That's what it means to be charitable. But being extravagant, you're asking all that I have, how much I can give it away? How much I can give it away to help others who are in need? Being charitable is a convenience. But being extravagant is a sacrifice. And the scripture tells us being a disciple of Christ, modeling, living after, like to become more like Jesus, we are called we're commanded to be extravagant giver, to be generous, to be radically, radically generous. 
And that's what we're called to do. But here's the thing, though. Being extravagant in your giving has nothing to do with your wallet. Being extravagant giver, being a radically generous per, uh, disciple has nothing to do with your wallet. It has everything to do with your mindset. has everything to do with how you perceive God, how you see God in the way that God supplies for you. You see, most of us are not generous because we have what, what I call a scarcity mindset. A scarcity mindset is God provides for me, but I never, I, I, my, my mindset is God's going to provide for me and God provides for me for me to use. And therefore, when I have a scarcity mindset, I look at what God has given me and so I start using them, I start consuming them. And the moment I start consuming them, I realize that I don't have enough. And when you realize that, oh, God only gave me so much, and when I use so much of it, by the end of the month, I don't have much left. I don't have anything. I don't have enough to give away. So we stop giving away, and we fall into this temptation of start getting anxious and fear. Our fear grows. So God gave us something. I consume it. I consume it. By the end of the month, I lack something. I don't have any more to give away. And so now, I'm, my fears are growing because I'm worried I don't have enough for my own life. And so what happens is we stop giving. We stop being generous. And so we fall into this cycle of scarcity. In the beginning of the month, God provided for me. I spend it. I don't even know how I spend it all. Then I don't have enough. I look at it. I don't have enough. My fear grows. I don't want to give any more. And next time God's give it to me, I'm going to become a hoarder again. I'm going to hoard it because I know at last time I, I spend it all. I don't have enough. What if this time I do the same thing? So you start hoarding and stop giving. We lack. We fear. We consume. We lack. We fear. We, can, we fall into this downward spiral. Living with a scarcity mindset because we think God gives us things for us to spend, to consume. But what we need to have to be extravagant in our giving, to be radically generous is not a scarcity mindset, but an abundance mindset. An abundance mindset. What does abundant mindset mean? Abundance mindset means I'm going to trust that God has it all. And God's going to supply what I need, but not just for my need, but so that I can give away for other people's need. Abundance mindset is what Paul has in mind when he wrote to the Corinthians here in the second letter uh, to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. The passage that Kevin just read for us. Give you a little context here. 2 Corinthians was actually the, the third letter that he had written to um, the Corinthians. I know it's the second, but actually it's the third letter. We, didn't, we missed out the other two letters. He total, total, he wrote four letters to the church of Corinthians. In this particular moment in this letter, he was encouraging, calling the Corinthians to get ready to give. Paul previously had called him to give uh, a sum of uh, uh, offering because the, the Christians in Jerusalem are suffering. So Paul had called different churches, Macedonian churches, the church in Corinth, that they collect an offering to help those who are in Jerusalem, their own brothers and sisters in Christ. So Paul was writing to them right here and said, get ready. I'm going to send someone come here to collect your offering. He's going to come soon. So get ready to give. Don't embarrass me. Don't embarrass yourself because you have made a promise to support your brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. And so Paul is preparing them to give. And Paul here in particular in verse 6 to 15, uh, 15, he was reminding them, telling them again why they should give. Not just give, not just be charitable, but be extravagant. 
Okay, and here's what he says in verse 6. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. He's reminding them, you need to give. Verse 7, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Then here he tells them this abundance mindset that they need to have to give. Not to be charitable, but to extravagant. Why? Here's verse 8. We're going to pick it up right here. What it means to have abundance mindset. Verse 8. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. See, abundance mindset is realizing that God is able. Look at the words there. Is that God is able to make all, not some, not 99%, not 99.9%, but all grace abound to us. So that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, having abundance mindset means I'm actually going to trust that God has it all. Because he has it all, he's willing and he's able to give me all that I need. You look at the screen there, I purposely put the actual word order of the original language because there is something that gets lost in translation in English because it's an awkward way of saying it. In the actual Greek, the word is actually, the word order, the word order is this, that able is God. But it would be awkward for us to translate it in English as like able is God to uh, make all grace. So the, but the word order is so important here. The emphasis is the ableness of God, the ability of God to provide for us. Paul wanted to, the Corinthians to know that able is God for all the things that you need. God is going to provide all that you need. He's going to supply everything you ever need in your life. Not what you want though, but what you need. He is able to give it to you. An abundance mindset means that I'm going to trust that. What Jesus said in Matthew 6, that God cares, even though the number of our hairs, he, he provides for the birds, the sparrows, he certainly can provide for you. We take that to the bank and say, yes, God, you have all that I need and you will provide for me. But not only that, believing the ability of God to provide, Paul used this really, really beautiful word in letting us know the things that he's provided for us. Because in verse 8, he said, God is able to make all grace. Paul here is correlating, tying things that are material, money, possessions. He called it grace. You know, those of you in church long enough, you know, sometimes we just use the word grace as a filler. Like mercy, grace, glory. We just toss it. We don't know what to say. We don't know what to pray. Just toss the word grace. It just sounds spiritual. See, Paul was not doing that here. Paul was actually using on purpose. He is saying that God is able to make all He's not just saying he has the grace for your salvation. He is literally meaning the money, possession that you have, that's grace. That's what God has given to you that you don't deserve. This is the grace just like your salvation. The picture he's painting here is this. Just like salvation that you don't deserve, God has lavished his grace in your life for you to be saved by grace through faith in the same exact way. Everything you own, everything that God provided for you, money, possession, cars, home, shelters, water, air that you breathe, everything that you got are undeserved grace that God has given to you. 
So when we look at the word grace here, it is literally dollar sign that Paul had in mind. And Paul wanted to, the Corinthians, Paul wanted us to know what you and I have in our world, they are all grace from God. And just as the grace that God has shown has met the greatest need in our salvation, the greatest need we have is not material things. But here's the thing. Paul said in Romans chapter 8, verse 32, that he has met our greatest need. The grace that brought salvation, so we have eternal, he met our eternal need that we have. Don't you think right now that God can meet your worldly needs that are temporary? And that was the point that Paul is making. He said, guys, God is able to give. He has it all, and he wants to provide for you just as he has provided salvation for you. Now he's going to provide your material need for you. Everything that you have comes from God. Your job came from God. Don't think for a second that your education came from you. Think about it for a second. Where do you get the capacity to study? One of our sisters sharing the devotion this week, just even the air that we breathe. You didn't create that. Just the mental capacity to live normal lives, that is grace from God. God gave it to you. God provided for you. They're not your own in the first place. You don't get to create that on your own. We're incapable of creating that on our own. And so Paul said, that's the abundant mindset. You need to know that our God, the God that you put your trust in, he has it all, and he is pouring it, lavishing on you, just like the grace that he has given you through your salvation. He is meeting your needs. Look at verse 10. He said, he who supplies seed to the sower, bread for, for bread for food, will supply and multiply your seed for sowing, increase the harvest of your righteousness. Every single seed that you have, God gave it to you. As great as technology may be, invention may be in this world, there's nothing that we've created on it. We merely mix it around, change it, whatever that God had created. And we just make a better, we just use them to create them. We never create anything. Only God created things. The seed, the bread, that you all from God. But here's the, the abundance mindset is God doesn't just give it to us. God doesn't just give it to us because here in all the verses that we see, in, particularly in verse 10 here, God supplies all that you have, but here's the, the amazing thing. He didn't supply just for your needs. It says this at the end. He will supply and multiply your seed and for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. The purpose of God's provision in your life is not just for you. He give it to increase it. Why? So that you get a harvest of righteousness. In the context of this passage, it means literally generosity. Just like what we talked about last week, you are not just saved. God did not save you just for you. That is our self-centered Christianity speaking. God did not just save us just for us. God saved us for the benefit of others and also for the glory of Jesus Christ. That's why he saved us. A kingdom mindset, a kingdom gospel says God saves us by his mercy and grace, not just for us, but for his kingdom and to, to increase his kingdom, expand his kingdom in this world to benefit others. And if you follow that logic, follow that reasoning, the same thing is true about our provision. I want to run through verse 8, 
10 and 11, the verses I just read for you. Because it's so easy to walk through here and just say, wow, God is such a great provider. God gave me all these things. And miss out on the purpose that God has given us these things. Let's read verse 8 again. It says, God is able to make all grace abound to you. So again, that's a great thing. God gave me everything I need. But there is a purpose. Look, at so that, why? Why did he give it to us? So that having all sufficiency in all times, all, meaning having everything I needed already, what is the purpose? You may abound in good works. God gave you things so that you can do greater things for others. Verse 10, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food will supply, not only supply, but multiply. Why? your seed for sowing, to increase the harvest of your righteousness, increase your capacity to be generous. Watch verse 11. You will be enriched in every way. You will be supplied by God. You will be multiplied by God. Why? In every way to be generous in every way. Generous. See, abundance mindset is not just about getting, getting, getting from God. Remember the diagram we saw early? A, a scarcity mindset said, God supplied for me. Now I consume it. I use it. When I use it out, and when I use it all, then I lack something. And then when I lack something, I realize I don't have enough. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start getting fearful and being anxious. And so next time when God gives me something else, I'm going to grab on tighter on those things because I'm going to use it for myself. And then I find out I'm going to lack it again. But abundance mindset is completely different. A response to God's supply is no longer, God gave me something, I, I use it for myself. An abundance mindset will understand that God provides enough for me, provides for me to give to others. The first response is this, is we give. When you have abundance mindset, when God supplies, the first thing you're doing in reaction to what God has given you is not to use it for yourself, but it is to give. And when you do that, the verse tells us again, in verse 10, when you use it, God multiplies. God multiplies, and guess what happens? When God multiplies to give us what we need and multiplies the us to give to others, then in the cycle brings our faith to grow. So instead of getting stuck in, in, in the scarcity mindset, we consume, we lack, and our fear grows. An abundance mindset, when we realize that God has given sufficient amount for us, and multiply it for others, we start giving. And when we start giving, God multiplies more. When we experience God's multiplication in our lives, we talk about tangible things, and now our faith grows. Because every time our faith grows, we, we, we're, we're going in a cycle to grow and giving more. We give more, God multiplies more, our faith grows more, we give even more. The cycle, we break out of the cycle of scarcity and start living in the cycle of generosity. See, the abundance cycle starts not with us using, but with us giving. When we give, we, when we give, we give out of this crazy faith that the world have, doesn't, make it, that doesn't make any sense to the world. Because our world lives in the scarcity cycle. Our world says you get something, you spend it, you use it for yourself. 
If you have any extra, then you give it away. But the disciples' mindset is completely different. God supplies. I'm going to trust that he has more than enough for me. I'm going to give it away. And when I give it away, I experience God's multiplying the resources in my life. My faith grows. Now I can give even more. I want to share this story with you to illustrate for you what this means, this cycle of we give God multiplies, our faith grows, and we give some more. Many of you recognize this bag, this give back that a couple months ago we have given out to our members of our church to give away. What you didn't know is that in it, uh, there, this Lysol roll right here is actually donated by a sister in our church. Uh, this sister is not a well-off sister. She actually has some financial struggle in and of her own life. But through her work and her relationship, she... Um, got in contact with various companies that ended up having hundreds of these Lysol rolls. And you know how hard these things are to come by, especially even a couple months back. And as a result, that she got in contact and she, she actually got a couple hundreds of those and she approached our church and said, would it be useful for us to bless our brothers and sisters to encourage them to give them one of the, uh, each family or each person one of these rolls? And as our church continued to talk about it, what, and then we, we felt that the Lord said, what, what if we just give these away to non-believers, to our neighbors, to our friends? Wouldn't that be a great thing? And so that's what happened. And many of you have collected this, this bag and you've given one or two, if not more, as a result that we were given. This sister donated hundreds out of her own pocket because she has an abundance mindset. God has helped her to find this, and so she gave it away to the church. And the church, as a result of that, we can give it away to others to come to, to bridge the gap for people to come to hear Christ and the gospel. And it would, it would have been a great story just stopping right there. Because that sister's faith grew to see how powerful just a roll of Lysol is. When I give this to my neighbor here close to the church, they immediately say, oh, that's the church down, down there. I remember visiting that. It brings people closer to Jesus. But here's the thing, though. What you didn't know that is there a follow-up story. Another church here in Los Angeles heard about what we've done. And they thought, wow, what a great opportunity to bless their neighbors and unsaved friends. And so they uh, proceeded to ask us, how did you get a hold of these roles of Lysol? Because they know, as well as you know, these are hard to come by. And so they came, approached us, and said, can you, can you uh, give us the information so we can go get it ourselves? And so we approached that sister and asked that sister, would you be able to get more? And remember, this is a church that is not, uh, is not this sister is not a member of this church. But this sister went and find, uh, looked for it, but they, she realized she couldn't find any more. But she didn't give up. You know what she did? She keep asking, keep going to every warehouse. And eventually what she did was she personally drove to many warehouses, because most of these warehouses only carry maybe 20, 30, 40, 50 max of these rolls. And she went to multiple of them by herself to put it in her, her trunk and drive it over to church and said, I found a couple hundreds more of these. And so we responded to church, and then the church said, how much do you want us, how much do you want us to pay for these? And they're willing to pay a lot, because they, they see that as a worthwhile way to bless the community. And you know what that sister said? Because she has abundance mindset, 
because she has experienced God, her faith grew. She's seen how God multiplied. Even though the first time she found a couple hundred, God multiplied, somehow find another couple hundred. She said, I will donate that to that church as well. Out of her own pocket, she will pay for every single one of these roles. I will donate to this other church because we are all on the same team. And, and remember, this sister is not sitting on a mountain full of money. She has a company on her own that she can give this way. In fact, to the eyes of the world, she seemed foolish. And even sadly to say to some who are Christians, they accuse her for being unwise. You could have sold that to the church and you can make some money of your own and you can, you can meet the needs of your own financial needs. But that sister has an abundant mindset. She said, I know God will provide. I will give. God will multiply. I'll trust God more. And, and the more God supplies to me, I'm going to give more. So that God will be glorified and people will be benefited. What a powerful story. A sister who herself are in need financially donated twice and just experienced the power of God in her life in that way. And as a result that people are blessed and people are get to know, to hear about God. And that's exactly what Paul said. When we are extravagant giver, when we live with abundance mindset, what happened is two things will happen. Others' needs are being met and God will be glorified. Let's follow along in verse 12. Says this for the ministry of this service, when we are willing to give generously and extravagantly, here's what happens. Verse 12 This service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflow in many thanksgiving to God. By the approval of this service, I will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for others. Two things happen people's needs are met. Look at the verse. People, the needs, the, your generosity supply a need that people have. Our community need these lives. They can't even buy themselves. We supply a need that they have. Your generosity of your contribution, verse 13, or your contribution for them, for all the others. Because of this sister, many others get to physically be clean with the lifestyle role, but also they get a chance to hear the word of God, got to inv be invited to hear the gospel of Jesus. But not only people's needs are met, but God's being glorified. Look at verse 12 again. Because of what they have done generously, now people are overflowing in thanksgiving to God. And those in Jerusalem, by the approval of when they experience this service, what would they do? They will glorify God. But what I want you to see is this. You know who's missing in this verse? People are being benefited. God is being glorified. You know who's missing? The people. You don't see the people who are giving it away, being generous. On the surface, it seems like they are missing out. They're losing out when they give it away. They're lacking something. But here's the beautiful thing. Because Paul continue on in verse 14 and says this. Because of your generosity, people are being blessed. God's being glorified. Guess what's going to happen to you? The people who, whom you bless, now they long for you, will pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. 
See, abundance mindset says that we will always be having enough from God. When we give away, God will multiply that in our lives so that we can give some more away. We will not lack anything. People who are blessed, they will pray for us. They will supply for us. And, and more importantly, because God's grace will be on. Remember, grace is not just, we're talking about salvation. God's provision will be enough for you and I. Many of you have used this app. It's called YouVersion. I don't know if you know about the story of YouVersion. YouVersion is actually an app that's been given freely. I'm pretty sure when you download it, you did not pay a dollar or any money for it. YouVersion was started back in 2008. It was started as all actually an internal uh, uh, website, started as a website before it turns app, uh, from a church in Oklahoma called Live Church under the leadership of Pastor Greg Rochelle. Many people know about the church. It's a relatively big church now. Um, but when they first started, they want to encourage their people to read the Word of God. So they started this website to have reading plans and the Bible on it, directing people to learn to read the Bible. But by today, by 2020, there are over 400, uh, 400 million downloads on u different unique uh, devices all over the world. As of today, there are 2,013 Bibles in 1,343 languages on version. There are 527 audio Bibles in 417 languages. As we are speaking today, according to them, people have spent 7.5 billion minutes on their app, reading the Word of God, highlighting the Word of God, trying to keep the streak alive, reading the Word of God. You and I are beneficiaries of someone else's app who is offered freely. But here's the crazy part. When they first put this app as a free app for people, at that time they, were, they had 10 locations, but they were actually $26 million in debt. $26 million in debt with 10 campuses. And at that point, I, uh, I heard of the testimony by uh, Pastor Rick Rochelle. He was sharing, they, were, they have a, a crisis moment, really thinking through, now with this app that people like to use, and all we need to do is charge them 99 cents, affordable, cheap even. All we need to do is just charge them 99 cents, even a dollar for every download. We would have been okay to get out of debt. But at that moment on their leadership team, God asked them, would you be a generous giver for the kingdom of God so that you will offer this free of charge for people so that people in this country and other countries can know and hear the word of God? And it was a real struggle for them because they were thinking, we are $26 million in debt. If one million, if we can even get half of that through the download app, we're good. See, as a leader for the church, as they pray and gather together, they knew that God had called them to be giving extravagantly, to be radically generous. So they, they, they wanted to lead their people in their word to be irrationally generous. So that year, they made the decision to make the app free of charge, to put it on, and anyone can download it anywhere free of charge so that they have access to the Bible. They have a plan. They have a vision to see by 2033, that 95% of the world will get a Bible to the language that they have in their own country. They're hoping 
that by 2033, every nation will get at least a portion of Scripture in their hand on the Bible. See, what happens is when a person have an abundance mindset, they give and God multiplies, their faith grows and other benefit and God's get the glory. When a church give generously, extravagantly, the world benefited. Think about the last time you were on the app. I am incredibly grateful for, 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 that, for live church generosity so that our church benefited from the reading plan that they offer. So that our lives can be enriched in sharing what God has taught us. I think about the people who are struggling reading the Word of God because of you version. They start getting in the habit of reading the Word of God. But that came about because someone else, disciples of Jesus Christ, were willing to move from being merely charitable but to be extravagant. They trust that the first response to God's supply is not to use for themselves but is to give to others. They give, God multiplies, their faith grows, other benefits, and God gets the glory. So what should we do? I mean, the actions are simple. I think the action is simply in verse 7 telling us this, that we must give. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says this, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or compulsion, or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I just want to give us three simple ways, practical ways to give. The first one is this. Make it a habit to give. Make it a habit to give. Some of us sitting here are not making money, but you're using money. You're getting money. Make it a habit to give. If you're not tithing, make it a habit to tithe right now, to start tithing right now. 10%, 10% of your allowance, 10% of your paycheck, 10% of your Chinese New Year money, 10% of the gift card that you get. Use that 10% to buy somebody else something else that, that they're in need of. Make it a habit to give. Remember, just because you have, don't wait till you have more money because more money actually makes it harder for you to give. Make it a habit to give now. You are not going to give extravagantly if you're not willing to give right now with what little you have. So make it a habit to give today. Here's the second thing. The verse tells us we need to give deliberately. We need to give with a decision, with a commitment in our heart to give. Don't give because you have spirit change in your in your pocket. And I hear I see that all the time with our with our younger 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 brothers and sisters and, and uh, when we're gathering. Oh, I have, I have a couple of dollars left in my pocket. I just give it right now. That's giving, but that's just charitable giving. It says you have to give deliberately, with intention. Give with prayer. Give with labor in prayer, labor in, in sharing with your mom and dad. If you're if you're a youth, if you're a child, talk to your mom and dad. How can I give? In what way can I give consistently and deliberately? Make a commitment to give. And for those of us who who, who are working, don't just give with a calculator. Deliberately does not mean that you do give rationally. Meaning, I'm going to look at how much I I spend this month, how much I'm making, and now I'm going to put a percentage on it and give. If you're married, discuss with your spouse, how can we grow in giving? Look at your, your statement last year. Can I increase in my giving this year to be more extravagant? 
Pray. Ask God, what does God want you to give? I love what, I, what, what, what Greg Rochelle said earlier in, in their church. They lead with irrational generosity. See, extravagant giving rarely is rational. So we need to commit to the Lord. I'm going to give. And here's the last thing I want to challenge you to give. Give cheerfully. Because Scripture says, don't do it reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Give cheerfully. What that means is this. I think oftentimes we can look at this and say, well, God loves a cheerful giver. I'm not giving cheerfully today, so I'm not going to give. I think that's a wrong way of understanding this verse. Because yes, God loves a cheerful giver. But God also loves an obedient giver. I think what Paul is getting at here is not wait till you feel cheerful, then give. But it's almost what Paul is really saying is consistently give obediently. And as you give, learn to find joy in the giving. Learn to find the joy in giving. When you start giving, God starts opening up your hands to the possessions, the money, your bank account. As you learn to give more and more, find, learn to receive the joy that's put in your heart. Experience what Jesus says in Acts 20. That it is actually indeed better to give than to receive. As we continue to give extravagantly, experience that joy. Experience that cheerfulness that comes into your heart. Because the more open-handed you are, the more God is multiplying your life. And your faith grows. Don't miss out on that joy. The joy of giving is not getting more. The joy of giving is getting more so that you can give more. And what Paul is saying, learn, practice giving more. So that you can experience the joy that comes into your life. God has given all to us through his son Jesus as disciples of Jesus Christ. This is not an option. We are commanded not just to be charitable, but to be radically generous. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we confess to you just the grip of material things in our lives. God, we know that temptation is so real that the more money we have, the more we want to hold on to for ourselves, the more we want to buy things for ourselves, the more security we want to build for our own lives. So God, we come before you knowing the grasp that money has on our hearts, even for the most mature of us. And the fact that you speak so poignantly to this area of our lives repeatedly throughout the scripture tells us just that fight is so real. But yet we thank you, Jesus, for demonstrating for us what radical generosity is like. That we get to give because Jesus, you have given it all to us. Even though we don't know what it means to give, you gave. Even though we don't care to receive from you, you gave your life for us. All of your life. To die on the cross. So that we may benefit of eternal life. So God, help us never ever to forget the goodness that you're pouring into our lives, both in salvation and in your provision. So, Lord, would you move us 
Move us to give. Give in a cheerful heart. Give with a deliberate heart. Help us to give extravagantly so that others may be benefited and ultimately, God, you will be praised and glorified. So God, remind us as we sing our response song, the goodness of God. Help us to count every goodness that you're pouring into our lives. Help us to be obedient, giving back to you and to those around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.